Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to be empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. A lot of empowerment at Clark.com. And you want deals? I got them for you at ClarkDeals.com. Coming up uh, in just 20 minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, yet another example where when a deal seems to be a deal but really isn't, fair warning for you when any store or website uses the word sale. And in a half hour, I want to talk about a new service available that's free that allows family members to know where all other family members that want to participate are at any time. I want to talk right now about something key to your money, and that's your credit card. Credit cards are in a hard spot right now, the credit card issuers, because the competition for customers is so intense that you and I, I know it's weird to say, we've turned the tables and we have the banks over a barrel if we choose to take advantage of it. I've talked for months about the phenomenal deals available right now on reward cards. But let's talk about other circumstances with cards. What if you have a card that you'd like to raise the credit limit on? Do you know right now you have a roughly 90% chance by calling your credit card company to get them to raise your credit limit? And why would anybody want to do that? Because when you raise your credit limit, as long as you don't go crazy charging on the card, and if you know you'd be tempted to, don't ask to raise your credit limit. But when you get your credit limit raised, it also raises your credit score. It's because of the arcane methods used to generate a credit score. You improve something known as your ratios. And so it's a great idea for you to call your credit card issuers and ask for a credit limit increase. Remember, 9 out of 10 chances, they're going to say yes. And by the way, this survey data is from creditcards.com that surveyed a pretty wide sampling that's enough to get meaningful data from. They also found out that if you want to get your annual fee waived or reduced, you have great odds right now of getting that done. How many? What percent? Eight out of ten. Let's say you're paying interest on a balance. That you're not going to be as successful at. That Only 70% of people who call and ask their credit card company who are running a balance get their interest rate lowered. Only 70. Those are pretty good odds, right? And then finally, you get hit with a late fee. If you ask for it to be waived, 90% of people approximately, just with a simple phone call, get a late fee waived. Now, why is it not 100, 100, 100, 100? Because sometimes your profile as a customer 
isn't going to help you get any of these gimmies from the bank. As an example, if you've been late before with a card, they're not as likely to waive a late fee. If you're wheezing on your balances, they're not going to lower your interest rate. And if it's a card that's central to its whole card existence, is charging an annual fee, which would be some of those airline-specific cards that live by the huge annual fees they charge, well, then they're not likely to waive or lower the fee. Although you might even in that case get a one-year reduction in the fee or maybe even a waiver of the fee. The key, you don't ask, you don't get. So make the phone calls, and what do you have to lose? Well, a lot of times, all you're going to do is win. Matt's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, Clark. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Wonderful. Thank you. How can I be of service to you, Matt? Well, I uh, have my credit frozen, and I've been listening to you where you're saying we should shop insurance every once in a while. Been with the same agent, independent agent forever, uh, the same company for several years. I talked to my agent this morning, and she couldn't answer me as to what needed to be thought out as far as credit scores or if they're using a an insurance score. And I guess I'm just missed at it, and I wondered if you could elaborate what, what I should do. There, uh, gosh, when I look at the various um, credit sites and financial sites, there's a lot of disagreement about what happens to you shopping for auto or homeowner's insurance when your credit is frozen. And the, as best I can tell, the reason there's so much confusion is there are now a number of the very populated states that no longer allow insurers to use your credit report or one of these custom scores to determine your rates for auto or homeowner's insurance. But then there are many others that still do allow your credit or your specialized credit score to be used to calculate your rates. So I think, as I've thought through this, I think that's why I'm seeing both opinions stated as fact on the web. I would tell you that the safest course, if you want to go shop auto or homeowners, is temporarily thaw your credit to do that shopping. Okay, and then does this affect uh, my credit score? Will I get hard hits on this? No hard hit for shopping for auto or homeowners insurance. A hard hit on your score is for an extension of credit. An extension of credit would be like going to get a new cell phone plan from a contract carrier would be an example. Um, Applying for, obviously, for a credit card or instant credit, a car loan or mortgage. So where somebody is extending credit. Oh, here's another example. If you decide to sign up with a cable company or Dish Network or DirecTV, they'll run your credit. And you'd have to thaw for that, and that would be considered to be a hard inquiry on your credit. Okay. But insurance would not be... Insurance would be what's known as a soft inquiry and would not lower your credit score. So how long should I thought to leave myself vulnerable? Well, if you're going to put your mind to it and do your shopping in a relatively short period of time for auto or homeowners, usually a two-week period will be sufficient. 
Perfect. And do you live in a state where thaws are free, or do you have to pay for thaws? Uh, I have to pay $10, but it's worth it. You're going to have to pay 30 though. I'll, I'll have to pay 30 but it's worth it. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you're protecting your credit. And yes, it is one of those things that is real unfortunate, is with the the system for applying for so many things. Now, your credit is drawn on or checked, and the credit freeze, occasionally you'll have to go through the steps like Matt to thaw it, but the peace of mind of having credit frozen is fantastic. Mason is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mason. Hey, how are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. You have a warning for your fellow listener, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. Let me hear. Okay, well, especially if you're elderly. What happens is, uh, and, and, and it, this is it's, the timing of this is really crazy, too. What happens is, I went, I went to visit my mother. She's 69, getting ready to turn 70. And uh, Well, happy birthday to her. <laughs> well, that's all right. Thank you very much. And uh, what happened was, uh, uh, she, my my mother told me that uh, she received a call out of the blue, unsolicited. All right, that said somebody is uh, breaking into your computer and using your information. I need you to go to your computer. And oh we'll no! Work this out. So and they I mean, were actually predicting the future because they were the ones they were going exactly. to mess with your mom's computer, correct? That's right. That's right. So, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here trying to be cool about it and everything so I don't cause it a panic, but guess what? My uh uh my uh, uh my niece, she's 10 years old. She stays with my mother and uh she was the one that my mother went and got and said, listen, uh, there's a guy on the phone, he's saying this, that, and the other, and uh, I need you to go to the computer and follow his direction. So they went, you know, the guy's taking us through all these steps and everything, and, you know, check this, check that, check that. Of course, he whittles, gets down to the business of, of uh, we're going to need your social security card, we're going to oh. need to use your bank card. And my mother uh, is questioning this, but she gives up the information. No. Because you know what happens with elderly. Sure. They're stuck in the 70s and 80s thinking everything is still done by phone and it's okay. You know, it's not okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, Ma, you didn't. But she did. So what we did, what I did was, I said, we got to call your bank uh, for your bank card immediately. And I called right then and there. We had a block put on her uh, on her uh, um, her bank card. I'm sorry. You know, we, on a bank card. And... Um, had any uh, funny uh, stuff happened yet? No, no. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. I thought about you immediately, right? Because I don't know what to do. All right? <laughs> I'm almost as bad as my 70-year-old mother. But I, I put the block on a, on a, on a, on a card, and uh, uh, I went to your site. I sent an email uh, to ask, ask, Howard, uh, ask Clark Howard. And uh, what happened was I went to the message boards, and the message board said, you know, I, of course, she wasn't the first one to go through this. So uh, uh, we need to uh, put blocks or freezes on all three bureaus for her. And so have you done that now? I've done that. Yes, I did. Great. So the fact that the criminals have her Social Security number will limit the damage except for one area that you'll need to watch like a hawk, and that's somebody filing potentially a false tax return as if Uh they're your mom. 
Okay, okay. So you've taken okay. care of the credit side, but that would okay. be the one other area. Does your mom normally get a meaningful tax refund, or does she not normally get a refund? She does get a, mean, a, 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 a refund, but it's not, you know, it's under $1,000. She's, uh, you know, retired and all. Okay, because yeah. if somebody does file a false return as if they're her, she's yeah. left with a wait till she gets her own money back. And there is a procedure you can do with the IRS where they'll issue your mom potentially a secret code, a PIN code, that is used when she files her return. So a criminal who attempts to file using her Social Security number can't proceed because they don't know her secret code. It works almost like how credit freeze works for tax returns. Right. So that would be one additional thing you might consider is talking to the IRS about whether or not she could be issued a PIN code. The IRS does so for any taxpayer who asks for one in the two states that have been hit the hardest by tax ID theft, which are Florida and Georgia. But others, if there's been an identity breach, kind of like with your mom, you can ask for a PIN code so that it provides protection on filing a tax return. You know, it's so great that you were there to help your mom, Mason. And you need to know that the criminals are targeting your mom, too, or your dad. Just like Mason's mom got hit, they're trying to steal your mom or dad's money. Or if you are older, trying to steal your money, be on your guard Do not cough up information to someone who calls you. It's time for today's Clark Rageous moment. And this is one you got to be so aware of. Yet another company is having to settle accusations that they were listing false was is. Do you know what was is means? I'll tell you. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. That's when they try to create excitement in you to buy an item because it's such a big bargain. And I think how many retailers in the last year have been fined for this or been sanctioned for it. The latest is Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight, if you've never been to one of their stores, well, it's really a bargain. There's a lot of stuff that is sold there for people doing construction projects or stuff around the home the quality may not be the highest but the prices are the lowest so harbor freight there was no reason for you on top of it to make up fake list prices for your merchandise to try to get people to buy because people already knew your stuff was cheap but they've settled a class action and there are three standards for paying you restitution as a Harbor Freight customer. People that are obsessed with receipts and can submit them will receive a significant rebate either in cash back or even more if you're willing to take a Harbor Freight gift card. If you have credit or debit card statements, you get back a smaller amount, and if you keep no records at all, you just claim and you'll get a $10 Harbor Freight gift card. Now, this is a similar story, though, to what I talked about recently with Amazon. With Amazon, 
posting fake retail prices and then telling you you were getting things at 60, 70, 80% off. They do it every single day at Amazon.com. Sometimes the prices are real, sometimes they're fake. Number of department stores getting in trouble for the was is. So what I want you to know is use your smartphone as your friend. When you see something that claims to be a deal, go comparison shop it on your phone. Use something like Frugal or whatever, and you'll see whether the price that's being screamed at you as a huge sale deal is a sale or no real deal at all. At Clark.com, we have the list of requirements for you to claim different levels of the rebates from Harbor Freight. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. You know, there's one thing in life you can't put a price on, a good night's sleep. You know, if you're not sleeping well, everything during the next day is difficult. Everything. That's why you need a great mattress like Casper. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. That's because they sell directly to you. They are the ones who invented the online mattress business. A Casper mattress comes with supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. If you don't believe me, check out their over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars. That's on Casper, Amazon, and Google. They offer you free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they let you try a Casper mattress for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And if you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything you spent. Come on, for too many years, the mattress industry has forced people into paying notoriously high markup prices. Casper revolutionized that industry. And along with the mattress, they also offer an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. They want to make your night the perfect night's sleep. So try it at no risk for 100 nights. Check out their prices. They are ridiculously affordable. And if you're going to buy today, make sure you go to casper.com slash business because you'll get $50 towards any mattress purchase. That's casper.com slash business. And once you're there, use promo code business. Casper.com slash business, promo code business. Terms and conditions apply. Come on, get yourself the perfect night's sleep. Go to casper.com slash business. Use that promo code business and you'll get $50 off your first mattress, which won't be the last mattress you buy from Casper. It's great that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you have questions for me, Clark.com slash ask, and I ask you this. Do you know that we answer calls off the air 
nine hours each weekday, and it's a free service of the show for nearly the last 25 years where you can talk with a member of Team Clark. If you go to Clark.com, scroll down that page, you'll see the information on getting the free off-the-air advice. Speaking of free, Google is on a roll right now. You know, Google had one of those corporate reorganizations and suddenly seems to be on fire coming up with one new service after another after another in typical Google fashion. They're free. The latest they've rolled out is something incorporated into Google Maps. And what it does is it allows you to track your family members or friends, but you don't just get to spy on them. You, as somebody using Google Maps, you decide whether you will allow yourself to be tracked and by whom. It's a magnificent thing for families with children where you can know where your kids are within a couple of hundred feet at all times. So if you think about how much teenagers might hate this on the weekend, when they tell you they're at place A and you see they're at place B, no more ability to hide unless you just leave your phone at place A to throw the scent off the dogs. I've been using one for years called Life 360 that is a free service to be able to know where people are. And this is something that is totally integrated into Google Maps, which probably gives it a leg up on an independent app like the one I've been using. And so this thing is hanging out in your Google Maps, and you might not even realize that it's there. So there's a simple procedure for you to open it up on your phone on Google Maps, and then do your permissions. It's also available on computers, but the assumption is that people will use it very heavily on phones, not on computers. All you do is you'll see when you go to your Google Maps app, you're going to be able to slide the tool open and then take it through the steps of activating. So it is another feature available on the Google Maps that's had a number of updates recently that allow you to to do it. And I opened up my phone, and when I click on all the things that are offered, it says Share Location. It says New. And then it takes you through a protocol where you get started, and then it tells you you can authorize for a specific period of time or indefinitely. You can change that setting at any time. And then you select who you're going to allow to track you. So the thing is, if my daughter didn't want to be tracked, she can just turn it off. She might be in trouble with us, but she can just turn it off on her phone. And so it's very, very easy to use, very easy to set up. And the best thing of all, it's free. Juliana's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Juliana. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You have a credit question for me. I do. 
my husband and I have been working on our credit for about three years. We had some unexpected issues a couple of years ago, and we're rebuilding. So I have a credit card company who has offered um, me an increase, but they would like a one-time fee. No, no, no. <laughs> really? Really. Oh, I don't Please like no the more. sound of that at all. I don't either. That's why I called. So they're telling you that, hey, you know, you've been handling this really well, so we'd like to reward you yes. with a higher credit limit. A $200 increase for a $20 fee. Wow. Bad, right? Yeah. that is, I knew it smelled fishy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with that at all. And the particular bank you're using to rebuild your credit gets hammered on the internet all the time. Really? It I, gets, I did not it gets, Google it. I, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't a secured card. We just felt like the original credit that they offered us was good for our situation. We've really we've paid everything on time. We haven't missed a beat. We're 12 months in, and it just seems odd that they're asking for a fee um, to increase our credit. So I'm That's because they're hoodlums. They're right. what's known. There's a term for them in the banking world. They, you know, the bank's have all their different strategies how to get okay. in your wallet. And this particular um, credit issuer for people with tarnished credit is what's called a fee harvester bank. Fee har- okay. So what they do is they say, hey, we're your buddies. Come on in. We're going to help you. We're going to establish all this great credit. Come on, come on, come on, come to us. And then they hit you with a fee for Everything you could think of, like when we switch to daylight saving time, you pay a fee for that. And when we go back to standard time, you pay it. No, I'm kidding. But but they are all about trying to lure you in with the promise they're going to help you rebuild credit. Okay. But what they're really about is feeing you to death. So you've had it for a year. Do I get rid of it? <laughs> Not until you've established one. other lines of credit. Yes, so your current... Oh, you have already? Yes. How many uh, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, how many have you been able to get that are like real, normal, mainstream, legit at this point? One. We just got one. Okay. Mainstream, legit. All right. So I want you to keep this one for a while longer. Don't bite on their con to pay them 20 additional. Okay. And then once you're able to get a second, probably six months down the road, when you're able to get a second real credit card, then you dump these people. All right, perfect. So one of the big names that you always discuss without... Or it can be a credit union. Credit unions are one of the best places for you to get a Visa or MasterCard. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And I'm so glad you asked me that question. I knew it did not sound right when I I got the information, so I knew I had to come to you. Well, thank you. And, And for anyone else, if you are in the situation Juliana's in and you get an offer that says, hey, we're going to help you rebuild credit, and they say it's a real card, but there's all kinds of oddball fees that come with it, those people are not your friend. At the very best, they're your frenemy, and more likely, they're your enemy. Russ is with us. Hello, Russ. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show. How you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. Russ, how can I be of service? Well, recently... I heard you speaking with a caller about student loans, and this caller had planned to max out their 401k, which would reduce their adjusted gross income, 
and then they were going to be an income-based repayer of their loans, and after 10 years, the rest of their loan would be forgiven. And, and you supported that, and that, that kind of bothered me a bit. Bothered you a bit? If you look at the overall picture, you should be bothered a lot. Well, I, I'm trying to be nice. No, 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 no. I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. So when I take a call about something like that, I have a responsibility to answer that call from a tactical standpoint and give the best advice that I can for the individual situation of that person. And they are they are following the regulations and the laws about how we do student loans in the country. On the other hand, you should be steaming because the way we do student loans and the way we pay for college in this country is m- moronic. It is well, absolutely terrible. I See, I teach at the university level. And so I tell my students to listen to you because you give such great advice. And I thought, I don't want my students 10 years down the road thinking they could skip out on their student loans and have the taxpayers have to cover their difference. So that is, you're, you were bringing up the ethical dilemma of the bind that, that I'm put in because of the way we do student loans in the U.S. See, we allow this spigot to be turned on with unlimited sums of money. I mean, once you hit graduate level, it is literally unlimited what yes, people sir. can borrow with a taxpayer guarantee. And so... We allow them to borrow all this money, and then in turn, depending on what profession they go into, we can say, oh, we were just kidding, you don't have to pay that money back. And then all the rest of us, uh, as U.S. taxpayers, end up paying for that person, the lion's share of that person's college. I, I, I get it. Okay, I, I appreciate you clearing that up. Clark. So what would you do? You you teach in a university. How would you handle the college affordability thing? Because after you answer, I'll tell you what I would do. I've already spoke with my students, and I have most of my students are adult learners. And so I tell them not to borrow a single penny for school. Find a way to take it. Find a way to make it happen, even if it is one class at a time. I tell them, do not walk out of this institution with student loan debt, because that will sit on your head forever. Oh, Russ, I I love what you said, and I support what you said 100%. Right now, we're going to go to your questions you posted for me at ClarkHoward.com. We call them Ask Clark. And who do you have an Ask Clark from, Joel? Clark, first question is from Van. He says, Clark, I need your advice on finding a good work-from-home job. Well, work at home is something that goes through cycles and seems to be a real uh, common question again today. Most work at home, quote unquote, opportunities are frauds or scams or ripoffs. You have to be very, very careful in this area. Anytime you see one like I see routinely at freeway exits where people put up those little signs, those 11 by 14 signs, say, earn 200 to $400 a week in your spare time, right. Not happening. So be careful with anything where someone says you're going to make big money working part-time or from home. 
reality, most of us will earn minimal amounts of money working from home. You can earn money at home, but it will be a supplement to your income, not a big dollar return. I have a guide to what we've been able, as best we can determine, are a list of legit work-at-home opportunities that we have for you at ClarkHoward.com, where you posted the question for me. Clark Sandy says, what's the best app to use on a cruise for phone calls and texting? Don't. (laughs) When you're in port, it's fine. And where you have Wi-Fi in port. But on a cruise ship, make sure your phone is always in airplane mode. If your phone is active, and particularly you make any calls or receive any calls on a cruise, the charges you'll face will be hundreds or thousands of dollars. But when you're in port, Wi-Fi is widely available. I've been on enough cruises, I can tell you, the second you walk off a ship, there are plenty of places that have Wi-Fi available. Use one of the texting apps. Uh, There are many available on your smartphone. And you can use a service like Skype or any of the others to make your calls for free. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Well, I, I need to tell you, thank you very much for all the advice you've given throughout the years. And I'm a big podcast listener because there's no station in San Diego County that carries you. So thank you for having that available. Well, thank you very much. And I didn't know I wasn't on in San Diego County these days. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reason, the question I have, Clark, is I'm about to turn 60 and I plan on retiring at 64. And I'm able to put $24,000 into my retirement plan. And right now I'm doing 13% into the Roth and 13% into my 401k. And there's a company match of 6%. So I'm really, you know, saving 32% of your pay. Yes. Yes. My, my wife and I, we worked it out and, and it works out very nice. That's great. But, Thank you. But we have, uh, I have about four years left, and I'm wondering, there has to be a point where it's not advantageous to put so much money in the Roth, because when I retire um, at 64, the tax advantage and, and my taxable income should be less. So I'm wondering, when should I, should I dial more into my 401k than the Roth at a certain point? Or? No, there's a big advantage to you doing the split you're doing. So the 13 mm-hmm. and 13, both going into uh, half pre-tax, half after-tax, the company match is all going in pre-tax. So you're, mm-hmm. you're actually pretty far tilted towards pre-tax money that will all be subject to tax. The beauty of you building up a reserve of money in the Roth is the Roth gives you so much more flexibility. The, you know, where uh, pre-tax money, you have to take it out on an IRS-required schedule no later than when you're 70 and a half and there's a strict formula mm-hmm. how much you have to take out each year. You don't take it out. You're subject to big penalties. The Roth gives you the added flexibility of leaving it alone or withdrawing it as you wish without tax implications in the year you were to spend the money. Even more wonderful with the Roth is if you have anybody you'd like to inherit someday, Chris, the Mm -hmm. Roth money flows 
to them much more favorably. I mean, it's night and day different with Roth money versus anything like an IRA or a 401k. Oh, that's good to know. That is very good to know. So I think Uh, you you should uh, take the pain of the tax because the pleasure of the flexibility in managing your money and tax planning in your retirement years is so valuable that even if you're thinking you're going to be in a lower tax bracket later, I'm not so certain about necessarily lower tax brackets. Okay. Well, that's good advice. Thank you very much. Sure. And I'm just, I'm impressed beyond I can even mention that you're saving roughly a third of what you make. I married up, Clark. I have a very good wife. Good for her. I hope you have a wonderful time in retirement together. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. Clarkdeals.com is where you save money. How you eat out and how you eat at home. We're going through major changes now. And the best part about it, the convenience is getting better and better, the quality of the food higher, and what you pay for it lower. Could you ask for a better combination coming up in 30 minutes? There's no doubt that people are discriminated against in employment based on age. During the Great Recession and its aftermath, I did town hall after town hall around the country where I talked with people about the financial problems they were having, the housing issues, employment issues, everything involved with the fallout from the financial scandals, from the banking scandals that cratered our economy and took years and years to recover. And there's always been talk about how older workers are mistreated by employers. And it was always like, oh, maybe here or there, there were occasional problems that you could prove. But what became clear as day to me through the Great Recession and its aftermath is that when I was speaking to audiences and I was hearing desperation about long periods of unemployment or underemployment, overwhelmingly, 
the people I was seeing, hearing from, were people that were older. It was not an odd occurrence. It was the reality. And it brought me face-to-face with how much either subtle or or all-out discrimination there is against people as they get older in the workforce. And this is a terrible problem because with so few people having had the opportunity to save enough money to bag work at a relatively young retirement age, people are going to have to keep working longer. So if an employer you've been with a long time rewards your loyalty by declaring you surplus and sends you out the door, it is going to be tough for you to find an equivalent job in terms of pay and the conditions you work in and all that. It's just flat out true. So I've come to a realization of a couple of things. Number one, treat age 45 as time for act two, even if you feel very comfortable and valued where you work. Because 45 seems to be the tipping point when people just don't care about you as much. So, the Boy Scout motto, be prepared, right? What do I want you to do? I'd like you to look around at what interests you that's a skill that you don't have. And I want you to have it in your hip pocket. I want you to get off the sofa and take the hours you would have watched TV and go to school part-time and pick up another skill. And you may find that the job prospects are so good with that other skill that you decide it's time for Act 2. And even though you're comfortable where you are, it's time for you to get a new lease on life. An example of this would be there's so many things in medical and in tech where the demand for jobs is so strong, for people is so strong, that if you go back and you get some training or education, you then have a marketable skill you did not have before, you have your years of experience, and you jump before later you're pushed. And if you are too late in the game, and wouldn't it have been nice if you heard this advice from me years ago, and your employer has declared you surplus and pushed you out, and you can't find another opportunity that's equivalent, I believe you become your own employer. You become your own boss and use the knowledge and experience and years you've had to your advantage to create success as a self-employed individual or in your own business. Don't let age discrimination happen to you. Be prepared to defeat it. Evelyn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Evelyn. Hey, Clark, how are you? 
Great, thank you. You have a question for me about homeowner associations. Tell me. Yeah, well, I live in a house currently, but I want to downsize a couple of kids in college and want to reduce the expenses. And I'm just sort of terrified of uh, what I'll get into, one, just because of homeowner associations. But on the flip side, I'm hearing that uh, a lot of foreclosures are really the result of people not paying their fees. And so I don't, I have no clue how to research these HOAs to make sure I'm getting into something that's, uh, I don't want to say legitimate, but uh, is being well managed and I know exactly what I'm going to get for my money. So with HOAs, there can be one of two kind as a general rule. There are voluntary HOAs and mandatory HOAs. Mandatory HOA is one that in, in buying in a neighborhood or in a community, you are required to pay the dues every month. And the board of directors of that HOA will set those dues, sometimes at a level that's not affordable for some people in the association. And that's why occasionally, Evelyn, there will be people that will be foreclosed on by the homeowners association. But I will tell you, foreclosures by a homeowners association are extremely rare. Do you so want to know the advantage? Could yeah, I tell what, you what, an advantage of one? Sure. Okay, so this is why there are lots of people who gravitate to mandatory homeowners association communities. It eliminates the oops of somebody in your on your street or next door doing things that lower the property value of your home. home mandatory homeowners associations sometimes have uh, architectural rules and requirements of how you live in that community that will be very strict and are enforced very ardently. I mean, they're all over you about what lawn you have, anything you want to do to the outside of your house you have to ask permission for and all that. So some people look at them as a defense on the value of their home. Right. So what about in terms of like condominiums and townhomes? So because that's you don't really own the whole entire house, but right. they're going to take care of I think the condominiums tend to take care of everything outside whereas a townhouse uh, house you want a little bit of the property around you but then they take care of everything else. So with townhomes, a townhome can be a true condominium community even though they're townhomes okay. or it can be uh, with some of fee simple, where the there's maybe a little yard that's yours in the front and the back, the entire dwelling is your responsibility, but there may be a common area fee, much like you'd have in a mandatory homeowners association or a gated community, where you all share the cost of common area lighting, common area amenities. Uh, the common area, roads, driveways, all that stuff. And okay. with any of these things, you give up some freedom in return for having things that you don't have to worry about. So it's well, not like if you go into a, a condominium, a townhome, or a mandatory homeowners association community, it's not like everything about it is a negative. Right, but how do you, how do you find out what's what's in the HOA so that you know, you know, as I start looking for places, how do you 
find out a good association from a bad association and what's in the requirements. Okay, so the association, what most people look at as good or bad, is how are the reserves of the association. Okay. You generally want to see a five-year plan or 10-year plan from the association where they have put out a schedule for their membership and made available to potential buyers in the community what are the maintenance things that are going to be taken care of over the years and how are they going to be paid for? And then the big thing, what reserves does the association have to cover the unexpected and also the expected, the things that are planned for on the long-range plan? If you're looking at an association, looking at a community, and they basically have no reserves or there's no uh, good governance plan showing what improvements are going to be done over the years, how much they're approximately going to cost, and how they're going to be paid for. If you don't see things like that, you could be sitting on a time bomb where you buy into a community and then you get hit with the dreaded special assessment that could be for an enormous amount of money. So contacting the association and Checking out their public information or semi-public information is the key to protecting you from a big bill you didn't anticipate, problems you didn't expect. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Mike is with us. Hello, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing well, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. How can I be of service to you, Mike? My question is for a trip to Cancun. Wondering the best way to get the most cost-effective upgrade for a room. Do I book? I'm looking at various sites. It appears that bookit.com is giving me the best rates as, as so far, with airfare included for an all-inclusive to one of the Jade, and now Jade resorts in Cancun. And is it better for me to go ahead and upgrade the room through the website or to try to do that once I arrive in Cancun at the desk? So the deal when you get to a resort location in Mexico, and this has always been true in Mexico and also true many other places, the person at the front desk has more to do with what caliber of room you're in than anybody else or any website. There's no substitute for what happens at that front desk as to where you end up. Even within a category, there's variation in the quality of the rooms. Uh, The rooms may be the same. The views could be different. The positioning in the resort could be different. And so what I think is, is really key is spend some time on TripAdvisor. Have you been on TripAdvisor yet? Yes, I have. So have you seen where people drill down, they say, hey, you really want to be on this building or this floor or this this room or this angle or this view? Are you seeing those kind of reviews? I am. So when you get to the desk, um, just be as friendly as you can, not fakey, but friendly, and and ask as you're going through the process, hey, is there any chance I could be and blah, 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 building, or whatever it is that you're seeing people post is the best place to be. 
and booking in advance, whatever booking engine you use, whatever source you use, is not really going to make the biggest difference at a resort as much as that individual that you're standing in front of at that time when you've come off your plane and you're checking in. I've seen that over the years. You know, I, I spend a ridiculous number of nights each year in hotels. And I've learned no matter what my booking is, that person is the key pivot on what kind of accommodation I ultimately end up with. So how much extra are you having to pay on, you were talking about book it, how much extra are you paying for the room category upgrade for the for the time of your trip? Uh, the trip is the second week of May, and it's for five nights, and they go from a garden view to a direct beach access room. Um, those type of differences, looking at about $100 to $150 per night. Wow. For two people, and that is the all-inclusive. So for me, I know this is terrible, I always, at any resort, I always accept the lowest category being offered. And, you know, May is past peak season. If you're a gambler like me and you go Garden View, you've got so much chance that when you get there, you'll get upgraded for free. There's a chance you won't, but it's a chance I'm always willing to take, especially looking at the parking lot if I have to. You know, you got a question for me, you can post it to an Ask Clark on Clark.com, and then we take them right here on the air. And Joel, who's the first Ask Clark you got? Clark Deborah says, I'm going to Europe, and I'd like to know what you recommend for the keeping my credit cards and passports secure. Wow, this one's tough. All right, so what I do is I keep one credit card, and in the case of Europe, some euros or pounds in my pocket, and any others are in a pouch that I wear around my neck that's like a money belt but a money pouch. I find that's more secure than a money belt. My passport, I make a photocopy of, and I carry my photocopy with me. The passport itself is locked in the safe in my room. Passports, American passports, carry enormous value in Europe and really around the world. And people put a high premium on being able to steal those. I don't like to carry one with me. Some third world countries, you have to have it on your person. But again, then it's in my money pouch as well around my neck. Now, your life's not worth it if somebody is going to be violent with you, but otherwise, it's the safest place to keep it. Hey, everyone. I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk, no action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth, his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. And what we're going to talk about now is specifically your wallet. Big changes happening 
and how you and I eat. Clark.com is our website, our deal site. I love what we're doing with our deal site. ClarkDeals.com. And speaking of deals, there's a new term being used inside the food service industry, and it's grocerants. And it strikes fear in the hearts of so many people in the restaurant business at all levels of the restaurant business, from fast food through to white tablecloth sit down. Grocery stores are having a tough time figuring out where they fit in the world. And so they are finding a new way to create profits that is causing headaches for people you wouldn't have thought of as their competitors and doing something fantastic for you and me. Grocery stores are adding fresh food areas where you can get takeout food that's very high quality, generally at a much lower cost than you would have at a traditional restaurant. Grocery stores within the footprint they're already paying for, so they're not paying for rent, have a big leg up on other providers. Plus, grocery stores buy food of all types in such large quantities they're usually getting lower prices on the food than restaurateurs get. So more and more, they are doing fresh food carryout, where you can go in and get meals that you serve at home. We have discovered this is something we're doing in our family, where instead, if no one has time to prepare a whole dinner, We go to a supermarket about half a mile away. We get fresh food that has been already prepared, and it goes from there to our table in 10 minutes. A new form of fast food at an extremely reasonable price for our family, four at the table. My oldest is off on her own. And so the four of us eating dinner that is good food for us, and prepared for us at a very, very great price. And you're going to see this be a significant part of how supermarkets do things going forward, helping you with your wallet. Now, as I said, it's putting great pressure on traditional restaurants. They got pressure coming from all over the place. You may have heard how Starbucks is going through a complete revamp of its business and trying to become a fresh food restaurant with meals to go, not where they're custom made for you, but things that are available for you that are fresh salads and fresh sandwiches and things like that, and have those available to you so that it boosts traffic at Starbucks outside of their current peak times, which is morning going to work, And in the evening when people come into Starbucks to hang out with other people and things like that, that having fresh food is becoming a big part of their business. And the growth that's going on with fresh food, when you look at one of the fastest growing chains in the country, Panera Bread, that's now apparently going to be owned by a German company, that they are doing so much with fresh food and now in more and more places in the country, delivery. 
So you can order on the Panera app, and the fresh food is delivered to you at your home. So the great news is what you pay for food getting better, and the idea that the only quick food you can get is bad for you is really going to become an excuse instead of a reality is you can eat more affordably food that you don't have to prepare and put a good meal on your table. Luke is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Luke, how can I help you with a dilemma? Yeah, I've been working for the last five years, and then I know you're a big fan of the Roth. So I've been maxing out my Roth IRA and contributing 100% to my Roth 401k. But I was just worried, am I missing something? You always recommend Roth for people who have already been contributing to the traditional retirement. But what about someone who just started out? Should I be contributing some to traditional? Well, do you get an employer match? Yeah, they'll match uh, the first 5%, 100%. All right, so that 5% employer match is like a traditional 401k contribution. So you're already doing both by virtue of the company match. So that money goes in pre-tax and ultimately will be taxed as if you were doing a traditional 401k, plus you have your Roth 401k that will never be taxed. But the the ways you make the decision, all right, a couple of things. How old are you? 27. At 27, almost with certainty, you're better off doing the Roth 401k and not doing anything in a traditional 401k because the value of you having that money compound over the decades and then be spent tax-free in retirement is so valuable where if you put in pre-tax dollars, you're creating a tax time bomb eventually, and that every last penny in there, plus everything that grows over the decades, is all going to be taxed in retirement. Who knows what tax rate? Now, can I give you an exception? Sure. If you are making huge money in your job, huge money, and uh, what do you think I would consider to be huge money that would change the answer? Um, above 150K? How about above 250K? Oh, wow. Because it puts you in a tax bracket so high that you have a decent shot that in retirement you might be in a lower tax bracket than you would be in now. So the current benefit of the tax deduction would overrule likely the advantage of you not having to pay tax at the end of your working time. So I think you're doing just the right thing doing all Roth all the time. Even if I max it out all the way? Even if you max it out all the way, because remember, again, your employer contribution will give you at least a portion of your retirement money working as like a traditional 401k. And in retirement, it's good to have the flexibility based on what's going on in your life in a particular year to be able to pick and choose that way from the two piles of cash. And you're already going to have two piles of cash, but the most important pile of cash will be post-tax dollars, not pre-tax. But what's really great, Luke, is that you're saving money like a maniac at 27 
And that you should be really proud of yourself for. Susan is with us. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? Oh, hi. Is this Clark? It sure is. Hi. So, Susan, you're joining me as a landlord. Uh, Yes, I am. I've uh, become a first-time landlady, and um, uh, my tenant is an 83-year-old lady. Wow. Uh, Very nice lady. So you inherited her, or you rented to her? I rented it to her. Okay. And and she's a very nice lady and and very good health, but I was wondering, since I'm a first-time landlady and I don't really know too much about it, what is the most important thing or things that I need to have? For instance, I know I should have landlord insurance, or would an umbrella policy be better? Well, actually, the two in combination is, is a practical matter. When you get an umbrella insurance policy, you're going to state to the insurer that you have this rental property. It becomes a stipulation in it. It will normally not lead to a higher premium. And you have a homeowner's insurance policy, I guess, on the rental property? I I do. Yeah, so the homeowner's insurance policy is sufficient, and then the umbrella policy goes on top of it. And umbrella insurance policies are so efficient. Generally, you start at a couple hundred dollars for a million dollars of overriding liability coverage. And then the cost, if you want to go past that to additional millions, each additional million is cheaper per million to buy. Most people stop at $1 million, though, because you could have a situation where there would be a judgment past a million dollars against you, but that's so exceedingly rare. Okay. Then, well, what I'm wondering is, what if my homeowners and my uh, landlord policy are with two different companies? How would that work? It, the that In matter? the policy you have, I have policies, I have a, a number of properties. I've got uh, four rental prop- investment properties. And they're not all insured by the same company. But my umbrella policy reflects in it and mentions each of the covered properties. So it it is, think of it this way. It's like the second insurance. So the the first is the policy that is on the property. And if whatever goes wrong blows past that, that's where the umbrella fits in the picture. I see. My homeowners is with USAA. But I know that there's a less expensive landlord policy with another company. I wouldn't so, do it. Stick with USAA. You stick with them? Yeah, even, even if you have to pay more. Even if you okay. got to pay more, just stick okay. with USAA because for simplicity's sake, and they're such a good company, you don't want to be in a position where companies are pointing fingers at each other when you don't need to complicate your life that way. So if USAA will do the rental property and your own property and the umbrella i would just keep it simple and keep it with them gary's with us on the clark howard show and gary you are from the car business and you disagree with me apparently about what i've said about certified used cars is that right Right. Thanks, Clark, for taking my call. Glad to have you. I heard you discussing the the word certified in the automobile industry, and 
it's, it's a double-edged sword in that, yes, there can be fraudulent use of the word as certified, but new car manufacturers and independent dealers across the nation have access to certifying their own vehicles and certifying it through a program that offers extended uh, service contracts and or extended warranty. So if somebody says their vehicle, a dealer says his vehicle is certified, how is it certified and what kind of extended warranty and or extended service contract comes with the vehicle? And it has to pass an inspection that uh, to be certified, and many attorney generals in, in the various states are taking that issue to heart. That what, what exactly does certified mean and, and how is it certified? How would I protect myself as a consumer when I see an ad that says online or in this thing we used to read called a newspaper that mm-hmm. says certified used car, blah, blah, blah. How would I, as a consumer, be able to tell what's a real certified car and what's one that's just pretending? Well, that's a very good question, Clark. First off, I would ask the dealer to show me the inspection sheet on that vehicle that would cover the engine, transmission, air conditioning, and heating components, the brakes, suspension, belts, hoses, and major electronics, and any other accessories that are on there, like a moonroof, etc. So you see the key as being that uh, the dealer puts his or her money where his or her mouth is, that they say it's certified, we say it's a great car, and in turn you're getting like two extra years of coverage or something like that. Right. You could get the coverage uh, from uh, the manufacturer of it for up to uh, two years of extended warranty on it. You could get uh, from an independent dealer, you could get uh, 12 months of, uh, of coverage that covers those items I've mentioned at no expense to the consumer. So there is an added benefit. Well, I appreciate that perspective. It's been really hard for me because someone will say, well, they told me it was a certified car and it broke down on the way home. And the hard thing for me is that there are no set rules that say what certified means. And this is something that I hope that the uh, National Automobile Dealers Association will work on. Why doesn't the industry come up with a standard that has to be used before the term certified used car can be used in the sale of a car. I would love that. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Jason. You've got a really neat question for me. Yeah, the other day I received a notice from my credit card provider that my card may have been compromised and that they were issuing me a new card. But along with the notice, there was a list of quote-unquote resources that included the big three credit reporting agencies, along with a fourth name that I had never heard of before. And I was just curious about this fourth company and whether or not I should freeze my credit with them, just like I did the big three. Great question. Go ahead and name them. Uh, it was Innovis? Yes, or Innovis, however they Innovis. say it. I don't know which way they say it. They are listed as if they are a traditional credit bureau. But it works really differently. Their role in life is not to do credit checks like Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian do. They are an expert at data mining people's credit reports to then market your information to people that want to sell you stuff. Specifically, their information most often is used for building mailing lists that 
a bank may use to solicit for a card. They develop these um, these deep profiles of information on you. So they are not being used to make an up or down credit decision on you like Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Their business is really about developing lists that will get a higher take rate than is normal when a bank is soliciting for a new customer. Because normally today when a bank solicits for a new customer, like for a credit card, the response rate is a fraction of 1%. So the holy grail in that business is to come up with a better way to target mailing lists so they get a much higher take. So as far as worrying about Innovus or Innovus, however you say it, no reason really to worry about them or think about them the same way you would Experian, TransUnion, or Equifax. And I have not come up with a reason to go through credit freeze with them, even if your credit's frozen with the other three. I may learn information in the future, Jason, that gets me to change my mind on that. Okay, great. So are you, are you someone who's already frozen your credit? I have. Uh, How difficult just, was it for you? Oh, it was it was an easy process. Ever been a hassle for you having to thaw? Uh, no. Uh, usually that's relatively easy as well. Isn't that true? I, I encourage people to follow Jason and me into Credit Freeze Land. Makes your life a whole lot easier. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. 